Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. Applications are now being accepted for Class 54 of the California Agricultural Leadership Program. Applicants should be mid-career growers, farmers, ranchers, horticulturalists, foresters, and or individuals working in other areas of California's diverse agriculture industry. The Ag Leadership Program, operated by the California Agricultural Leadership Foundation, is considered to be one of the premier leadership development experiences in the United States. Through the program, fellows learn leadership skills that help them to expand their impact. More than 1,400 individuals have participated in the program and are influential leaders and active volunteers in agriculture, communities, government, business, and other areas. Over the course of the intensive 17-month program, fellows are immersed in numerous topics including leadership theory, effective communication, motivation, critical thinking, change management, emotional intelligence, and other skills and tools that contribute to improved performance. Along with individualized leadership development coaching, fellows engage in situations and discussions focused focused on complex social and cultural issues. They are provided with opportunities to build enhanced critical thinking skills that combined with a broader perspective help graduates guide creative solutions throughout their lives. The program includes approximately 55 days of formal program activities for partner universities including Cal Poly Pomona, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, Fresno State, and the University of California Davis. They deliver integrated, comprehensive, and diverse curriculum at the seminars. Fellows learn from first-rate educators and subject authorities from many professions and backgrounds. As a valuable extension to the monthly seminars, fellows participate in national and international travel seminars that provide further opportunities to understand interconnected systems and governments, dialogue with policy leaders, and compare and contrast cultural dynamics. CAF invests more than $50,000 per fellow to participate in the Ag Leadership Program, thanks in part to donations made by individuals and industry organizations and companies. Candidates are strongly encouraged to talk with Ag Leadership alumni about the program and to attend an informal event. More information and the application are available at agleaders.org. Phase one of the three-phase application process is due on April 17th. Individuals are encouraged to complete the application as soon as possible. After years of purchasing farmland for a new city northeast of San Francisco, the CEO of a company backed by Silicon Valley billionaires pitched voters a vision for a walkable, affordable community that would appeal to their California pride. Jam Sermek, a former Goldman Sachs trader spearheading the ambitious city-building effort, offered the first detailed look recently at his proposal to construct at least 20,000 homes in rural Solano County between Sacramento and the San Francisco Bay Area. His plan needs the approval 
approval of county voters in November to bypass protections put in place in 1984 to keep agricultural land from being turned into urban space. If approved, it would be built on more than $800 million of rural land that he and his company called California Forever purchased over a period of years without a lot of local input. He said the development could be an amazing success story in a state in need of a win. Project proponents say the Solano County is an ideal place to build and the location near the Travis Air Force Base would appeal to military contractors, but critics, including a congressman and environmental groups such as the Sierra Club, remain skeptical about the project's aims, especially after the company has spent years buying up land around the base without being transparent, even suing local farmers who refuse to sell. They say more urban sprawl could harm sensitive ecosystems and tax the region's already strained water supply. Santa Paula-based Calavo Growers Incorporated, a global avocado industry leader and provider of convenient, ready-to-eat fresh food, has announced it is exploring a sale of its fresh-cut business to FNS Fresh Foods. Since he returned to Calavo as CEO in March, they have renewed their focus on their core avocado and guacamole business to maximize profitability, and they are pleased with the progress they have made, according to Lee E. Cole, President and Chief Executive Officer of Calavo Growers Incorporated. He says to dedicate more focus to their core and maximize shareholder value, they've been exploring strategic alternatives to their fresh cut business, previously known as RFG. He is pleased to share that they have signed a non-binding letter of intent to evaluate the sale of their fresh cut business and some related real estate with FNS Fresh Foods, a leader in the industry and one of their long-trusted co-packing partners. Highlights of the contemplated transaction include total transaction value of approximately $100 million subject to customary adjustments, transaction closing anticipated in the second fiscal quarter of 2024 and expected use of proceeds that includes debt reduction, growing their core business and returning cash to shareholders. There can be no assurance that a definitive agreement will result from the discussions with FNS Fresh Foods and terms are still subject to negotiation, according to the company. The company will provide more information when and if a definitive agreement is executed. The company also announced that its board of directors have declared a quarterly cash dividend on its common stock of $0.10 per share. The dividend will be paid on January 31st to Calava Growers shareholders of record as of the close of business on January 26, 2024. The California Milk Advisory Board has announced the launch of the 2024 Great Mozzarella Showdown, an inaugural food service recipe contest challenging professional chefs and culinary students to develop creative non-pizza dishes using California's number one cheese product, which is mozzarella. The CMAB is hosting this online recipe contest to build on the ongoing popularity of mozzarella at food service and how it can be used in endless menu innovation. The goal is to showcase ideas using two styles of this versatile cheese and a variety of dishes for different day parts, including appetizers and handheld items. Influential food service judges will select eight winning recipes from the online submissions based on criteria, including innovation, use of cheese as a primary ingredient, and flavor expectations. Professional chefs will conduct a cook-off with the eight winning recipes and grand prize champions will be named for each category. Each chef finalist will receive $2,000 with the two winning dishes receiving an additional $2,000 to total $4,000 to each category champion. In total, the CMAB will award $20,000 in prize money. The entry period for submitting recipes is now through February 16th. The eight winning recipes and chefs will be announced on February 29th with two grand champions named in mid-April. For more information, including entry details, log on to greatmozzarellashowdown.realcaliforniamilk.com. 
In Blue Diamond Almond's latest company market report, Laura Gearhart, vice president of the Global Ingredients Division, said that it shipped more than 229 million pounds of almonds in the last month of 2023, which is the second highest December on record, according to the company. Gearhart said that the company's shipments were down 4% from November, but still an 11% increase from the 2022 season. Exports for the current crop year are at 173 million pounds, which she says is a 12% increase from 2022. Domestic shipments also increased by 8% to 57 million pounds. Demand continues to be a concern for the largest market as commitments continue to lag month after month, now down 16% to last year. Buyers continue to evaluate their evolving demand and remain booking short-term positions, she said. Gearhart said Blue Diamond's crop receipts for the year trailed 2022 by 6%, and the estimated crop this season is around 2.45 billion pounds. She said the forecast for rejects is around 3 or 4% of the crop, which would put the total supply for 2023 around 3.15 billion pounds. And that figure is down 7% compared with the 2022 season. With most of the crop delivered, crop receipts are aligning with market expectations for a crop closer to 2.45 billion pounds. Year-to-date shipments sustain their strong pace compared to the last season, driven by export demand. The industry must sustain this trajectory to reduce the carryout to more manageable levels, she says, and prices continue to firm as demand remains active, setting the stage for continued strong shipments for the coming months, according to Gearheart. The Valley Air District has received a $56 million grant from the Federal Highway Administration. The grant will be used to drive transformative infrastructure changes that will combat air pollution caused by heavy-duty freight traffic in the San Joaquin Valley. Todd DeYoung, Director of Grants and Incentives with San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District, says the Clean Fueling Infrastructure Grant Program is the largest in California history and the third largest in the U.S. The project itself will construct uh, two uh, heavy-duty vehicle charging depots at two locations in the valley along the I-5 corridor, which is um, identified by the federal government as one of the busiest freight corridors in the entire country. The first one will be built uh, near the intersection of Highway 119 and I-5. Uh, that's in Kern County uh, near, near the city of Taft. And then the second location will be uh, at the intersection of Highway 140 and I-5 uh, near the city of Gustine in Merced County. The Two uh, charging locations will include both charging for light-duty vehicles, passenger vehicles, um, as well as heavy-duty uh, truck charging infrastructure. We expect the, um, the project to be built out within the next probably two to three years. The project includes over 63 acres of solar to support the charging infrastructure needed, as well as battery storage to sort of offset that grid capacity and really bolster the grid, um, which is one of the main, you know, the main concerns when you build out uh, high power electrical infrastructure such as this. The two projects are expected to reduce more than 32,000 tons of greenhouse gas emissions over the life of the project, thanks to a reduction of diesel fuel used by trucks that will turn to electric, as well as 55 tons of smog-forming NOx, which is a large concern in the valley, says DeYoung. Over 85% of the remaining smog-forming pollution in the valley uh, is attributed to mobile sources. So anything that we can do to reduce uh, NOx and particulate matter here in the valley from those mobile sources is really critical to um, uh, helping the state meet our air quality goals, helping the valley meet our air quality goals, um, as well as enhancing the lives of, of residents here in the valley. 
The project is being done in partnership with a Southern California-based Watt EV, which already has sites opening in the valley, allowing them to build on infrastructure that's already in place. And this complements those, and it and it's creating that that cor that charging corridor that will connect Southern California and Northern California and beyond. The idea is to is to um, allow um, zero emission uh, trucks to be able to travel from Southern California all the way up through Northern California and beyond um, using electricity. So these are critical steps to sort of bridge those gaps in the current infrastructure plan. And those concerned about how trucks having to stop to recharge might affect the transportation of fresh agricultural goods need not worry. So with, with hundreds of commodities being grown here in the Valley, um, it's critical to get these, um, to get these products uh, to market. Uh, and, and generally that means by truck or by rail. Uh, with this project, it, and it includes um, 17 what are called megawatt chargers. And so these are the highest power chargers available. And by providing that, that power um, at a higher rate, you reduce the amount of time it takes to charge. So, you know, there's concerns about, you know, fresh produce and fresh vegetables um, not being able to sit for long periods of time while these trucks are charging. Well, they don't. With these high power chargers, it's it's almost the same time in, as it would take to fill up a diesel vehicle with these with these high power chargers. So, you know, you're not wasting time sitting there and, and you don't have that impact to those fresh fruits and vegetables. DeYoung added that as trucks move to zero emissions, another key component of the project will benefit companies with small fleet vehicles vehicles who might not be able to afford the new technology. Watt EV will also offer what's called trucks as a service. And this allows uh, generally smaller fleets who don't particularly have the capital to invest in a lot of this uh, new technology, or they're not sure if it's going to work for their business model and you know duty cycles of their existing fleets. It allows them to essentially lease these um, these new electric trucks at a rate that's equivalent to diesel that allows them to implement them into their fleets and, and really get comfortable with that technology before they make that large capital investment that they might have to make at a later point. Um, it allows them access to all of the charging depots operated by, by Watt EV. Uh, there's maintenance contracts and service contracts as well. So it's a way for smaller fleets, and a lot of our ag fleets in the Valley are these smaller fleets. So it allows those smaller fleets to become more comfortable with zero emission technology before they would otherwise you know, make the significant investment. For My Ag Life, this is Kristen Platts. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with CAT Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante. Imagination. Innovation. Science in action. Only two fertilizers had notable price changes compared to last month. Anhydrous was down 9% at an average price of $776 a ton. UAN32 was 5% lower at an average of $391 a ton. The remaining four fertilizers were down just slightly from the prior month. MAP had an average price of $807 a ton. Potash was at $510, Urea at $526, and UAN at $336 a ton. Meanwhile, two fertilizers were slightly higher compared to last month. DAP had an average price of $726 a ton and 1034 at $600 a ton. 
A group of lawmakers is asking the Department of Agriculture to swiftly open a 2024 dairy margin coverage program sign-up period. The program is the nation's risk management tool for dairy producers that helps farmers manage changes between milk prices and feed costs. The lawmakers, including Iowa Republican Representative Randy Feenster, write, Now, as we are nearly halfway through January, there continues to be no indication given to producers of when they will be eligible to select their DMC coverage level for 2024. The delay, the lawmakers say, coupled with the unpredictable nature of the industry, is concerning for the farm economy and the constituents they represent. Throughout 2023, dairy producers face numerous challenges, including high input costs, continued inflation, and unpredictable weather conditions, meaning that programs like DMC, which provide certainty during unstable economic conditions, are vital to producers and rural communities. The lawmakers are urging USDA to quickly open the sign-up period to provide dairy producers certainty in 2024. A 40-year-old legal doctor known as the Chevron Deference is going before the Supreme Court. Farm News reporter Chad Smith has more on a little-known legal policy with big effects on agriculture. A controversial legal doctrine with wide-ranging impacts may come to an end soon. Travis Cushman, Deputy General Counsel for Litigation and Public Policy with the American Farm Bureau, explains the premise of the Chevron Deference Doctrine. What it does is it instructs courts to defer to a federal agency's interpretation of a legal statute. Unfortunately, what it has done in practice is it's led to creation of a super branch of government and the burgeoning of the administrative state. What happens is federal agencies are able to interpret and craft the laws as they see fit without input from Congress or the role of the judiciary in providing a check on federal agencies. Cushman says the Supreme Court is set to hear oral arguments determining the future of the doctrine. The Supreme Court for years has been looking at this closer and closer, and it has finally agreed to evaluate whether or not this doctrine should be overturned. On January 17th, the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in two cases that seek to overturn Chevron. He talks about what the Supreme Court's decision could mean for U.S. farmers and ranchers. The case could have pretty significant far-reaching impacts on how government operates, returning greater power to the Congress and the courts, and making it harder for federal agencies to push their power. That means the governing agencies that regulate agriculture will have much less ability to arbitrarily enact laws they shouldn't be doing, including many key environmental statutes like the Clean Water Act and the Endangered Species Act. Chad Smith, Washington. Large-scale family farms accounted for a majority of the value of commodity production in 2022, according to a new report from USDA's Economic Research Service. Specifically, these farms accounted for 51% of cash grains and soybeans, 56% of hog production, 65% of cotton, along with 65% of specialty crops, and 76% of dairy products. On the other hand, small family farms accounted for 3% of the value of production for dairy, 4% for cotton, 7% for specialty crops, and 26% for beef but they produce the majority of hay at 53% and 45% of poultry and eggs. The value of production by non-family farms ranged from 5% for both hay production and poultry and egg production to 19% for specialty crop production. Large-scale family farms are those with a gross cash farm income of more than $1 million. USDA is again accepting applications for continuous conservation reserve programs. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford. Thank you all for the Herculean effort on behalf of America's farmers. 
President Ronald Reagan signing the 1985 Farm Bill, creating the Conservation Reserve Program, which paid farmers to put marginal lands into a long-term conserving use. And yes, CRP still going strong, with some programs giving producers the option of applying at any time, so-called continuous CRP. And Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau says USDA is once again accepting offers from producers to enroll in the continuous CRP programs. And in order to make sure that All of the processes are done in time to start conservation measures on October 1st. People should have their applications fully submitted by July 31st. Gives us the time we need to get everything in the queue. Under this sign-up, producers can enroll new land into CRP or re-enroll land whose CRP contracts expire this year. For details, contact your local USDA Farm Service Agency office. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The USDA has announced the appointment of 15 new members to the Advisory Committee on Minority Farmers. The newly appointed members serve terms of up to two years. USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack says this committee is part of USDA's commitment to ensure that all farmers have equal access to USDA programs and services, especially minority farmers and producers in underserved communities. Committee members represent socially disadvantaged farmers, nonprofit organizations, civil rights organizations or professions, and higher education institutions. Congress established the Advisory Committee for Minority Farmers in the Food Conservation and Energy Act of 2008 to ensure that underserved farmers have equal access to USDA programs. Committee members advised the Secretary of Agriculture on the administration of the Outreach and Assistance for Socially Disadvantaged Farmers and Ranchers Competitive Grant Program. They also make recommendations to the Secretary on how to increase minority participation in USDA programs. More information, including a list of new members, is online and that website is usda.gov. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on the every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 